and welcome to episode 80 of the Massive Attack Podcast. I am your host, Mitch, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Joe. Hello, Mitch. How Hello. are you? I'm great. Now, we're doing our A to Z this year, and we are to the letter U, and there are so many things we could do, like Umbrella, Ella, Ella, but we're not. We could have done Umbrella Academy. Oh, oh damn it. Oh, well. All right. Scratch it. We're getting there. No, no, no. <laughs> no, we're not. We've talked about it before. Go back. There's an old episode about it. Was there? Yeah, we talked about it. I can't remember. Yeah, that's hmm. your job to go back and look. All right. Listener, not you. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about me. No, no, no. You were there. I've got, I've got enough jobs on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. We, we were going to do UDLs. Yes. But no. no. Our alcohol and me don't really mix anymore. <laughs> and listen to the show, Dodsey. He was down here in Melbourne a couple of weeks ago, and he'll probably attest to the fact that alcohol and me don't mix. Mm. Apologies, anyway. apologies to the cleaners of the Prosciutto Brothers. <laughs> I don't remember that. What am I, what am I going to apologise for? I, I'll just apologise on your behalf. It's okay. All right. So so we're not doing UDLs. We, we, we're staying away from that. No, we are doing UHF. The frequency. Correct. Ultra high. Ah. Do you know much about it? Ultra high frequency. Mm. No. What about the movie? Oh, is there a movie? There's a movie. I know a lot about that. Me too. All right. So we'll do it about the movie, otherwise also known as The Video from UHF, written or co-written by Weird Al Yankovic with his manager, Joe Levy. All right. So let's start off with what we normally do on the podcast here and talk about our personal experience with the movie. Okay. You go. Now, I didn't see this at the cinema. I can remember seeing it. You're not a real fan then, obviously. Well, no, obviously. (laughs) I was probably. Did it come out in 89 here in Australia? I think so. Well, anyway, 1989 was my year 12 year, so I uh, probably didn't get to the movies all that often. Mm-hmm. Speaking of alcohol, I was probably <laughs> too busy drinking at parties and stuff. To get UDLs. No. Oh, maybe I was. I don't know. But I can remember getting it on video, and I think I, back then I had the old two video set up, and I, I probably dubbed myself off a copy. Mm-hmm. And I can remember watching it a lot in the early 90s. And much like most of the other things we've talked about as far as movies from my youth, I probably watched it 20, 30 times when I was younger, and then I hadn't seen it for a very long time. But then going back and watching it now, it's like fresh as a daisy. I remembered almost all of the jokes and nearly every scene from the movie. But what about you, Mitch? Same. But I did see the pictures. I saw it with with the often referenced Dodsey. We we went and saw it at the Village Cinema, like the little tiny little one. I don't know if you know the Village Cinemas in the city. Was that the old shoebox cinema? I I think it was called that, yeah, but it's under the stairs. So it was this tiny little, probably held 40 people at the moment. And it was in this tiny little cinema, and I saw that. I saw Alienation in that one as well. I think I saw Best of the Best there, and then the next day it got released on video. Oh, that's a nice short, yeah. short time. Was that the one where you walk in and the screen was like behind you when you first walk in? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just this t- weird tiny cinema. Hmm. So we went and saw this, but we were so prepared for this movie because I know Dodsey was the same as me, but I taped a lot of stuff off the telly. Now, if it was a bit off a kid's show or a film clip off the morning music shows or something like that, or off MTV, there was a, a report on something like that. So I had a lot of like Colette, like there might have been a report on her. So I, I taped that. So I had just random videos, like at the end of a movie, I just had random things, like with just that I taped off the telly. And a lot of a lot of music related or movie related. Like I watch Entertainment Tonight and there'd be a, oh, this new movie called Tremors coming out. I'm going to tape a little bit about that, not knowing anything about it. And before video came, like reading, doing some research into it, it was a bit of a flop when it came out. And they didn't really promote it a lot. But it seemed to get a lot of promotion here because 
Dodsey and I knew about it. It was coming, and we were so excited. And we probably saw it in the one week that it was out. Like it wasn't a big deal. Orion produced this film, and they thought it was going to be their big summer hit. Unfortunately, that summer it was up against some stiff competition. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters two. two, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Honey I Shrunk the Kids, and something else. It just was doomed to fail. Essentially, it's one of the Bond films was it Living Daylights or something? Like that, I think right? so. Yeah. yeah, it was just poor timing, really. And yeah, I mean, but there were little clips that we saw, like Entertainment Tonight. It was Weird Al actually came out and sat on the couch with Richard Wilkins on MTV and did little bits of it here and I taped all this stuff so there were all these skits from the movie that I'd seen that many times because I taped it and showed Dodsey then we watch it and then we watch it again and we watch this bit again <laughs> so Raul's Wild Kingdom scene I'd seen like 20 times before I even saw the film mm. and things like that okay. and the Beverly Hillbillies film clip I'd seen a few times so we were totally prepared for this movie when it came out so and, and like you said I th- I'm pretty sure I dubbed off a copy when it came out because I have seen it a lot I don't think it ever aired on telly I don't know how I would have got a copy so I must have dubbed down a copy and it was just like I've seen it a lot mm. and watching it again like similar to you probably 15 20 years since I've seen it but I knew it word for word still so either I've seen it too many times or it just stuck with me I think it's probably a little bit of both because mm. when it came out that would have been the almost the heyday of Weird Al yeah. I, I think he would have he would have already done like fat and eat it and yep. that sort of stuff a few years prior to this. Mm-hmm. And doing some research into it, I think he had a lot of ideas of what he wanted to do, but he wasn't sure how to put it all together as well, a movie. They did it four years earlier. They came up with the idea of doing a movie because his manager's like, all right, we've got the music down and we've got the film clips down now. What else can we do? What? How else can we do something else? And they thought movies. And that's, that was the idea and the parody and the satire. You know, they, had, they toyed with the idea of Kentucky Fried Movie sort of thing. Yeah. Where it was, you know, just a bunch of skets, sketches and skits, but they opted to have the narrative through it. And I think it works better. They still don't know if they made the right decision, but I think it works. Yeah, I think personally. it does too. And the fact that they do have the Indiana Jones bit at the start kind of does date the movie. It makes me realise that, yeah, it was written a few years earlier because it is a parody of Raiders of the Lost Ark, which yep. came out well earlier. Mm-hmm. But yet they still do it very well as the opening parody for the movie. Oh, spot on. I actually watched Indiana Jones on Saturday night. It was on on the telly and watching that opening sequence is like they've nailed this what, that's what made me think did they actually just reuse the footage of the rolling ball and then just superimpose Al over the top of it I think there's some footage going is that the original uh, that's what I thought too a couple I thought yeah alright so let's let's talk about the plot the plot okay. is Weird Al plays a character called George Newman yes. who's a daydreamer can't hold down a job with his best mate with the worst hair his best mate or him his, his best mate has Weird Al's still got some pretty weird hair it's awesome hair it's and, Weird Al hair yes and he's still got that as you expect Weird Al look of the kind of afro with the glasses and the little moustache. Yep. Yeah, so he's, like you said, the, there's an Indiana Jones tribute, like the opening of Raiders where he's in the temple and he grabs the idol, which is a, in this Oscar statue, yep. and he gets chased by the boulder. And uh, it's it's really well done. That's the thing. It's not a cheap looking movie. It is a cheap movie, but it doesn't look cheap, especially with the the parody stuff they nail. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah so it's, it has this big opening bit, which is really nice, true to form, and it comes out of this dream sequence of him cookie flipping burgers at a at a burger joint, and he's whinging about working there, and they end up getting the sack because well, he, he burnt the fries, didn't he? Yeah, I think yeah. the fries are done. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's, and it comes off through exposition very quickly that they just can't keep a job. They're terrible at keeping a job, and it's generally his overactive imagination that is the trouble. Next scene we get is his uncle playing cards and doing really well with his bookie that rings up, Mister Big, mm. rings up and says, "Congratulations, you had a good day at the track," and that's good. And he comes out with all this money, and there's a party going on a. Sw- 
soiree at their place and he comes out talking to his wife saying, oh, I'm doing okay and all this sort of stuff. And what's that? It's like, oh, I just want a, a deed to a UHF t- TV station. Yep. It's like, oh, it's just nothing. It's whatever. And it's like, oh, no one can run it. It's terrible. No one wants to run it. And they're going, oh, George is out of work. Their nephew, you can give him a job. It's like, yeah. So he falls into running a UHF TV station. Now, UHF is something we never had in Australia. I suppose it's like Channel 31 now or yeah, that, community TV now. That's how I kind of thought it would. But it also had reruns and things like that over there. So it's a, a low-powered station. So I guess it's a very local oh, TV local. station in that way that it doesn't broadcast very far. And it's all original content when you see dodgy quality stuff, you know, of like single camera, bad quality. If they're making their own product or it's reruns of the Beverly Hillbillies and Bewitched and things like that. Mr. Ed and yeah, yeah. old stuff. Yeah. So it's, that's what they are. He's running this UHF television station that's terrible. And uh, while they're leading up to this, it establishes that he's got a terrible relationship with his girlfriend. He's always late. And he's on tender hooks with her. They live next door to a, um, a karate dojo. Stupid! So stupid! Which is the, the instructor talks about how his students are so stupid. They I do like the door. fact that they're practicing their jump kicks or something and they're going through the window of the second floor of the karate like, I mean, dojo. there's a great scene and I just remember what happened. He goes, oh my God, because he's running late to see his girlfriend again because he forgot. And he goes, oh no, what time is it? And a fist comes through the wall. It's like, and he reads the watch on the on the wrist going, oh no, I'm late again. So yeah, there is a lot of sight gags in this movie. Oh, terrible. We're not going to say them all, sorry. We, no. we know they don't work. As far as if you haven't seen it before, we're not going to ruin all of them for you no. because we do want you to see this. Yeah, I, I love this movie and reading up about it, I'm thinking, because watching it again, I'm like, this is funny. And I actually was messaging Dodsey as I was watching it with just quotes. And I don't know, the stream of quotes that I pushed through to him, I don't know, I'm poor him for copying these messages at 11 o'clock at night. Just the amount of quotes. And I was like, this is funny. How is this not better? And then reading the reviews for it when it came out, it was canned by a lot of people. And it's like, am I that? sick or was it I was the right age to see I, it and I've yeah. if I saw this now but I'm looking at it going this is still funny but it's like again nostalgia but I that's what I okay. was thinking like watching it again now I was thinking am I laughing because I'm remembering it from mm. then or is it still funny but I think I think it's is, still funny I, I definitely do think it's still funny but looking at it now back in 1989 when this came out the people that are in it yes. weren't really names no because it's funny alright so let's go through some of the characters we have we have Billy Barty he was a name at the time yes now, Billy Buddy is a little person, I suppose is the correct term now. Yes. He was Gwildor in the He-Man movie. Yeah, and he was, I can't remember the exact name, but I think he was in, was it Willow he was in as well? Yes, he was the big wizard at the start that yes. sent him on his mission. Yes. And he's been in just so many things. If there's a little person from the 80s or the 70s, it was him. Definitely. Yeah, so he, he's in there playing Noodles, the cameraman, yep. which makes for interesting camera angles for the news crews. Uh, there's a little comedian called Fran Drescher, you may have heard of, who yeah. went on to become a major world superstar with The Nanny. This is the first time I saw her. There's Pamela Finkelstein. But probably the biggest co-star in this one is Michael Richards, Seinfeld's Kramer, which is so funny because everyone talks about Kramer is the guy from Seinfeld and that. But for the first few years of watching Seinfeld, he's Stanley Spadowski to me. When you think about it, though, the, the characters are so similar. Like, I don't know if that is just Michael Richards being Michael Richards. I think so. But, yeah, I don't think I had watched this UHF again since watching a lot of Seinfeld mm. or even at the time when I was watching a lot of Seinfeld yep. and I didn't really connect the, the two. But going back to it now, even the way like Michael Richards, yeah, he does that sort of laugh. <laughs> the reaction. He, he 
sort of slides into doorways mm. and sort of is it's very, very physical. Yeah, very physical. And it's just Kramer completely. Mm-hmm. So, I actually prefer Stanley Fidelsky. I think I do as well. Yeah. He's just more of a likable character mm-hmm. because he is just that simple- Man-child, yep. Yeah, simple janitor that finds himself in the wrong place at the wrong time and then George makes him a star pretty much. Yeah, so the quick preview of the spot. So George goes, a wrong package delivered to him and it's actually made for the big affiliate TV station. So he goes, oh, I'll go talk to the competition, you know, friendly neighbours kind of thing. So he goes to deliver it and you get introduced to the, the head of the TV station who's the you know epitome of evil, the corporate evil that is the 90s or 80s. And you, you're introduced to him sacking the janitor, which is Stanley Spadowski, which is Michael Richards. And, you know, he comes across as a man child and he goes, you know, did you did you throw it out? Did you throw the report out? And he goes, no, 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 I didn't. And he goes, yes, you did. All right, you're sacked. Go away. And as he leaves, he's all despondent and whatever. And he goes to sit down in the office. He goes, oh, there's a report. I was here all along. <laughs> whatever. So Yeah, but doesn't bother no. you know, apologising or anything or, or giving Yeah, so Stanley George ended up going there and he ends up meeting Stanley and Stanley's all sad. And he goes, what's wrong? And he goes, oh, I just lost my job as a janitor. And he goes, well, you come with us and work. And he goes, oh, do I get to clean the floors and the doorknobs? Yeah, sure. Yes. Oh, cool, cool. So, you know, he loves being a janitor. And not only did he lose his job as the janitor, he loses his favourite mop His favourite mop, which his yeah. father handed down to him. Yeah. yeah. So it goes on and the TV show, you know, he's trying to run this, this UHF channel and it's terrible. No one cares. No one watches. His life goes even more to shit and he's doing a show called Uncle Nutsy's Clubhouse which is like a kids TV show and he cracks it he's all morose and upset and he leaves and he walks out and he goes Stanley's there mopping the floor and he goes oh Stanley do you want a TV show and he goes what, what? and he goes yeah, go in there and do it and he goes, oh, okay so he goes off to, to a bar with his best mate to drown his sorrows because he's upset and while he has his blueberry daiquiri, you know, all the people at the bar goes, oh, the show's back on, quick, have a look. And they stop and they look up and there's Stanley in charge of Stanley Spadowski's clubhouse now. And everyone's attached to this TV show as this man-child's hosting the TV and it becomes a ratings hit and then the network becomes more popular and then all these crazy ideas start to pay out. And you get a lot of parody ads and TV shows and commercials coming throughout that that you see, but you don't see everything that's going because you get like he's going through the board of the different TV shows that are on there now, like World of Phlegm and... Volcano Worshippers Hour, Strip was a Strip Solitaire, yeah. Bowling for Burgers. It's it's silly. And that's where you get the parody stuff coming in. Yeah. He's asleep at one point and he has a dream sequence and they do a scene for scene remake with computer graphics of Money for Nothing. The film clip from Bio Straits and Sting, but it's Beverly Hillbillies. And I really remember this a lot because I think they probably played this on MTV and yep. the music channels at the time. I didn't remember that it was in the movie. Mm. I'm watching it again now. I'm like, oh, obviously it's from. And this the is what show. probably the thing that dates it the most. Like the Indiana Jones dates it, and a lot of things do because I mean, there's I mean, there's a Gandhi joke in there, Conan the Librarian, and things like that, which are all very much of 80s times. Yep. But yeah, it, it's it's funny, and I love them, and I've seen these things so many times that I can say them word for word. Plus, I, oh, there used to be a place near Northland. There's a factory. Oh, a homemaker centre with a bunch of factories near it or display places. Yeah. And every now and then they'd be empty. There'd be no shops in there. And they'd run record. They'd sell like surplus records and CDs and things like that. Yeah. And you'd go in there and you'd pick up records for two bucks. And I picked up the UHF soundtrack for two dollars. And oh, <laughs> did I play that? I have played that so many times. And that's another reason I know it word for word because in between some of the songs there's actually yeah, snippets, from the, snippets from the movie. And it's just perfect. And and like we're saying, I'm saying, is it still funny today? I don't know. But one thing it is, is pacing. Like, oh, it's yeah, super it, quick. Like yeah. you do not have time to think in this movie. It's just like boom, 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 gay, 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 gay. Well, that's what I thought as well. It's like watching it again. It it doesn't drag at all. No, it, and then, uh, uh, we were sort of talking before about the Billy Hill Billy's film clip is actually probably the weakest part of the movie. Yeah, that's where it stops. It slows down for that couple of minutes. 
especially now, no one cares. No, you know, those computer graphics. It really does that. date the movie. And I guess even if you do watch the real Dire Straits clip now, the fact that that was cutting edge mm. computer graphics at the time, and you watch it now, it's just terrible. Yeah. But one thing you, you mentioned the, the fake ads and all that sort of stuff. The Spatula City ad. Spatula is City. That just stuck with me for a, a very long time. We sell spatulas, and that's all. And what better gift to say I love you than with the gift of a spatula? <laughs> Buy nine, get one for a penny. But yeah, just I'm Cy Grimblin. I like their spatulas so much, I bought the company. And anytime I'm cooking and I need a spatula, <laughs> in my head, it would just jump Honey, into my head. where's a spatula? spatula? Exactly, it's Spatula City. <laughs> and my kids look at me weird when I say Spatula City, and they're all like, well, what apparently do you mean? in one of the scenes, there is a billboard for Spatula City in the movie, Yeah, and they put that up for this film, and it was on like a sort of a rather deadish road that they put it up in. And no one else had bought the advertising on their billboard for ages, so the billboard actually stayed up for a long time and there were people complaining when they're going to town looking for this special city. <laughs> could be true. It could, could be. be apocryphal. I don't know. Yeah, so it's just Everything kind of works. You know, there's some just strange either quick clips to shows to ads saying here's a commercial for an ad coming or there might be like bits of it like Rails Wild Kingdom and I've seen that there many times. It's like, there's this guy who's just doing strange things to animals. I'm not going to say anymore. But yeah, um, and on a sad note for this movie, it's actually dedicated to the actor Trinidad Silva who was the guy who played Raul who died in a car accident while making the film which is rather sad because hmm. there were meant to be a throwback because he was teaching poodles how to fly at some point and there was meant to be another scene later on where the poodles came back and got him and they did do a scene where there was another actor covered in fake poodles sort of as they attack but they just thought it was a bit wrong and not okay. very nice thing to do yep. so that was a, that was rather rather sad part of this funny movie but yeah it's like because I didn't know who he was but apparently he was a comedic actor and comedian no like, I didn't know who he was either but I'm, I I don't get the joke that he does. The badges. We don't need no stinking badges. You don't. Like, I don't know that original reference. I've heard that used so many times, but I never know where it comes from. There's a little movie starring Humphrey Bogart called The Treasure of Sierra Madre. Okay. That's what it comes from. All right. But yeah, yeah I know the joke, but I didn't. I never knew where it comes well, from. Well, we found it funny. I remember Dodie and I used to say to each other all the time, but we didn't know what the reference was. No, we well, just I thought never, it was funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. So basically, Stanley's turned... The little UHF. Stanley. Stanley. Uh-huh. Stanley Spadowski has turned Channel 62 into this booming rating. Number one in the yeah. ratings. So they're actually starting to do a little bit better than the affiliate channel, which is run by RJ Fletcher, the, the bad guy of the movie. Mm-hmm. And as it progresses, they, they're doing really well, but George's uncle loses a bunch of money on the horses and they have that scene where he's in the pool in his inflatable chair and falls <laughs> in the pool and gets his water <laughs> in his phone. But it turns out that they now have to sell the TV station to RJ Fletcher or come up with another 20000 to cover his gambling debts. So George comes up with the idea that they should make the channel publicly listed and yep, sell, sell shares. shares. So they have a telephone, mm-hmm. as you do. Save the rec centre. I love this trope. It pretty much is. Mm-hmm. So they, they do this big thing where they're going to have this telethon, save it, sell as many shares as they can to, is it 20,000, 75,000 they need? 75,000. Yeah, so they need to make 75,000 and they're going to do this by having their big star Stanley perform host, host. 48 hours or yeah. something worth of television. But 
In the meantime, RJ Fletcher decides that maybe they should kidnap Stanley. Because every, while he's on the air, they're making money. Yeah. So he gets his goons to go and kidnap Stanley. And again, this provides a lot of the jokes that watching it again, I remember just almost word for word again. Like when he's in the car and they've got him kidnapped and he's talking about his pizza orders <laughs> and later on when he's tied up and he's like, oh, my blindfold fell off again and stuff like that. It's just... Well, I love it because they sort of like, they knock on the door. It's like, who is this? Like the pizza guys. And they kidnap him and he's on the way back and he's all tied up and he's at the back of a car and he's talking about his pizza and they goes, hang on, you guys are from the pizza place? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I can't do it justice, obviously. No. But it's worth saying for that. Oh, we forgot to mention there is the engineer of the, the station is a strange man who lives there. He looks a bit like Einstein. He's got crazy hair and he talks in a weird monotone sort of voice. And Philo. he's like Philo. Philo and, he's been, yes. and he's been monitoring RJ Fletcher. In doing that, he's watching the feed and he sees that Stanley's been kidnapped. So he tells George and then George is like, oh, I've got to go get him. And this is where we get a similar tribute that they did like Razor the Lost Ark. We get a Rambo one where you got Weird Al in a really, really well-made suit, I'd say, where he's got this muscle suit on yep. where he looks like Rambo from Rambo First Blood Part 2. And he's going there and he's shooting people and you know, shooting with guns and with bows and arrows and they've got helicopters and you've got this big, weird rescue mission sort of and montage that, thing going on. That slow-mo sort of draw to the side sort of yelling when he's shooting things oh! just like Rambo does, yeah. yeah. you got this montage that goes for a couple of minutes where he goes through and then he bursts into where Stanley's being capped and he just starts screaming like the Rambo thing and they're just like, what are you doing? And in the end, they pretty much get the upper hand of George and Stanley. But Cooney, which is the the karate instructor and his students come in and save the day with one of the better gags that you won't ruin. Yes, we won't ruin, no. Yeah, it's also racist. Uh, <laughs> Casually racist. Yeah, it's casual. Yeah, so, and they end up getting Stanley back to the telethon and they make their money at the end and there's, you know, there's a few side gags that I just don't want to give too much away because I do want you to see this and I want to hear what people think about it Yeah, because I don't know if, if it's nostalgia because I thought it was still damn funny. Like, it's simple. It's not going to change the world or anything like that but I found myself laughing a lot. So maybe... I recommend a couple of UDLs. Maybe. A couple of UDLs I'm watching this because it's damn funny. There's a few people in, like his girlfriend's played by Victoria Jackson. Who went on to be in Strip Mall, which was a little show that SBS showed here back in the early 90s with Julie Brown as the main character. She was in a little show called Saturday Night Live as well. Oh, she was, yeah. (laughs) I know her from Strip Mall. And that was Weird Al's girlfriend at the time. She got a job. But do you know one of the people who auditioned for the role? No. Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Stanley Spadowski, he wrote it for Michael Richards, but he also had Christopher Lloyd in mind. See, I could see that that would work. Yeah, and they thought about it, but then they go, no, we'll go with Michael Richards. And Michael Richards was actually sick, and he didn't want to do it, and then he came back, and they said, yes, I'm glad he did, because I love Stanley Podowski is a phenomenal, one of my favourite movie characters ever, Mm. just from this movie. I I absolutely adore him. Emo Phillips get a gig in there as well, as a woodshop teacher on one of the terrible talk shows on there, and that was, he was just a mate of Weird Al's, and they brought him in to do that role. Yeah. So that was kind of fun. Dr. Demento is in there as a... Uh, just a background character in one scene. Now, I don't know if you know anything about Dr. Demento. I know a little bit about Dr. Demento, and I think Dr. Demento was kind of Al's mentor, wasn't it? Uh, in a way. Now, Dr. Demento, I, I think he's still going. He runs a radio station out of New York from memory. It could be nationwide. And he just plays eclectic and comedy albums. Mm. Like, he's been doing it forever. And 
and he pretty much gave Weird Al his break. Mm. So, you know, he probably, Weird Al probably grew up listening to him and Weird Al's parodies and that were probably first played on Dr. Demento. So there's a, a mentor slash honouring his, you know, legacy in that way. There's a few other, like during the telethon, there's a couple of acts they throw to every now and then. And there's a few like famous sort of weird, obscure comedy acts that sort okay. of you get one or two seconds of. They're, apparently they're very longer than they filmed, but they, as, a, as a reference, it's like, oh, yep. that's that person. But mm-hmm. you've got to really know your obscure 80s okay. weird comedy. Well, even RJ Fletcher's played by Kevin McCarthy, who had been in a lot of things. He Lots. was way dating back to the 40s. Yeah, you sort of watch and you go, oh, that guy. Yeah. I don't think he would have been in a starring role in anything, but you, you just look at his mm. face and you think, yeah, I know. And he's an arsehole. And like he does it well, arsehole. though, yeah. And that's they they got him in the, in a similar role that they got you know Leslie Nelson at the time was doing the Naked Gun films. So sort of like this guy can do comedy. He's been around. He's done this. Now he's sort of coming out the other end, and he can do it a comedy sort of role. Mm. But yeah, it's just fun, and I'm so glad I watched it again. But I didn't need to watch it again because I knew it so well. It was weird, and there's like there's some subtle humor in there as well. It's pretty overt. You got to be into Weird Al. If you're not into Weird Al, it's going to hurt. Yeah, because it's he's not the best actor, and he's got a certain type of delivery. And if that annoys you, then it's going to grain on you. But I just dig it. Hmm. It's weird though. We're looking at some of the the reception that the movie had itself. Apparently, when they gave it the test screenings, it was the best test screening that they've ever had yeah. for a ride. And they thought this was going to be big, big summer movie. But as we said, it came out at the, just the wrong time. It had a budget of five million. It made six. Yeah, which is well, not a really, failure. No, it's not a failure. But it became a cult classic. Originally, it was released briefly on VHS. Yep. And then Orion went out of business. Yeah. So the VHS copies that were out there. Were worth a lot of money. Yeah, and people were paying top money for it. Mm. And then after that, MGM released got the, the DVD to it in and the released... early 2000s. Yeah. And then I think there was a Blu ray. Yeah, Shout Factory released another version not long ago. So the, I actually have a copy of the MGM version, which is remember when DVDs had two sides? I think my copy of Titanic was well, not my, my wife's, but that's actually sure it is. the movie's so long that it's actually on two sides of the disc. So you've got to get it halfway through and turn it over, which just sounds ridiculous now in a day of streaming. The copy I've got is two-sided where there's the widescreen on one side and the pan and scan on the other. I think the version I've got of never-ending stories like that, it's mm. yeah, widescreen on one. And, on and yeah, apparently the menus are exactly the same on both sides though, but not the extras are on one or the other. But apparently, I, to be honest, I haven't watched this disc, I just own it. But um, you've got, if you push a button that has the, like where the you push the button on the menu for something and it's actually on the other side of the disc, Weird Al walks out into the screen and goes, uh, no, it's, it's, it's on the other side. Okay, and walks off again. And then if you push it again, he comes out and he's a little bit terse at this time. So I told you it was on, it's on the other side. And if you keep pushing it, he gets angrier and angrier. I don't know how many times it works, but I'm tempted to put well, it in. They probably only filmed it a few times. But yeah. It didn't get very good critical response when no. it came out. I think Metacritic, it's got a score of 32 out of 100. Yeah. And Rotten Tomatoes, it's 63% out of 24 reviews or something like that. Okay. So it wasn't a critic's favourite movie. No. And it did kind of put Weird Al into a bit of a slump after he made it. Mm. And it wasn't until Smells Like Nirvana that he sort of came out of that slump. Yeah. So it was a few years, unfortunately. Which is a bit of a shame because, as I said before, he was probably on a massive high going from his Michael Jackson parodies and that sort of stuff leading into this. And I often wonder what would have happened if this had been a huge critical success. Would they have done a sequel? Would they have More movies, different more? movies. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Hmm. I mean, I'm sure he's doing fine with all his Grammys and everything. Oh, I'm sure he is too. Yeah, it, it is interesting that it didn't take off because, like I said, I love this movie and watched it again 
again and again. And it's just one of those movies that I grew up with. Mm. And I probably know it better than any other movie. The more I think about it now. It's short. It's quick. There's plenty to remember. It's quotable as hell. Yeah, definitely. Unfortunately, no one knows the quotes. (laughs) Turtles. Nature's suction cups. Look, it sticks. (laughs) People will know the quotes, but they might not know where it comes from. Mm. But I'm I'm glad we went back and watched it. Yes, me too. Because it's one of those things that now that I have watched it again, I probably will watch it it more often. Yeah. Hmm. Alrighty, but that's probably all we can say about UHF. Just go see it. If, Let if us I'm, know what you think. If Tell us we're wrong. But. Yeah, it is out there. There is lots of clips on YouTube, but if you want to find it online through less than legal ways, there is a couple of streaming sites I have seen it online. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's streaming on Netflix or anything Or if like you want that. to come over to my place, I've got the DVD, we can watch it. Have a viewing party. Bring some UDLs, we're yep. all good. Hmm. So anyway. Passion fruit and vodka. No, I see they're foul. I really don't like them. I sauce. threw up on that so bad. Yeah. It was fluorescent yellow. Sure. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> Passed out at a party I didn't know anyone was and I was with Meryl Bainbridge's band was there. I thought you were going to say you were with Meryl Bainbridge. No, no. Her band was there. They were on Hey Hey that night and I was very drunk. I'm looking at Hey Hey set day and then I'm looking at the dude saying why are you on the television and then I passed out <laughs> and then throw and yellow the next day the 90s were a fabulous time <laughs> weren't they <laughs> anyway if you want to watch it watch it tell us what you think of it if you haven't seen it if you have seen it and you love it as much as we do definitely jump on Facebook give us some quotes anyway if you do have any other feedback that you want to give us about UHF why you like it why you don't like it why you think we shouldn't have liked it Jump on our Facebook. We are facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. You can find us on our website, which is themapodcast.podbean.com, or find us on Twitter as the MA Podcast. Where you keep trying to make bloody scones happen. I'm not trying to make scones happen. I'm just making <laughs> sure that people get the right order and put their cream on before their jam on the scones. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Yeah. It's like giving yourself your own nickname, isn't it? Trying <laughs> yeah. to make something happen. Anyway, on that note, thank you very much, Mitch. Not a problem. And we will be back in the very near future with the letter V, where we're going to be talking about the, the video, video chat. <laughs> okay, and until then, thank you very much. Hooray.
stupid! So stupid!